0: Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome to a September 13th, Tuesday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, a writer for BlazersEdge.com, And the former Blazer beat writer for the Vancouver Columbian. Welcome back. It is the second week of September, and well, second full week of September. And we are getting dangerously close to training camp. Today was one of my favorite days of the pre NBA season calendar, this brief time where we are between summer. In the start of the NBA season, and one of the signs of this fleeting moment before we get to the NBA season that gets me excited for the season, that lets me know it's just almost here, like actually we're going to have games soon, is the release of the Sports Illustrated Top 100 Players done by friend of the pod, Ben Golliver and his colleague, Rob Mahoney from Sports Illustrated, one of my favorite lists. I think lists in general can suck, but this one does not. This is a good list, an exhaustive list, a thoughtful list. And uh, I thought it was worth noting to those of you on the podcast that are listening to this episode that Mason Plumley made the top 100 on joining what who i i assume that CJ McCollum is going to be in the top 50 after the year he had last year the SI released their list from 50 to 100 and Plumley Mason Plumley Portland starting center came in at 93 which is great uh, he was one of the people that they had to keep off the list last year but was one of the uh you know last omissions for last year's top 100 Ben Goliver, uh, who's I'm sure all of you know around here. Who you know, if you've been following the Blazers for a long time, Ben was at Blazers Edge for a long time. Now with Sports Illustrated, and he wrote the uh, write up about Plumlee, and you know, basically said you know everything that you would expect. His play in the playoffs was fantastic against the Clippers. Wasn't so fantastic against the Warriors, but he showed the type of player he could be in a featured role. His first year really as a starter, and you know, he gets recognition on that list, which I think is one of the better lists. Of course, maybe you'll remember a couple of years ago, there was a little bit of beef on Twitter between Dwayne Wade and Kevin Durant over the ranking of James Harden over Dwayne Wade or not as high as Dwayne Wade. And there was a little bit of beef there. So this list, I mean, people pay attention to it. This is, this is a good list. And Mason Plumlee coming in at 93. Uh, Really interesting place for him because, you know, I look at him as the Blazers' starting center this year, but I also look at him as not the best-case scenario for the Blazers. I think Myers Leonard evolving in uh, a way as a defensive player would make him a more desirable option. But it's still, you know, I think it's still a good reminder, I guess, that to... Say that Mason Plumlee is really good because I do think he's really good. I chatted with Nate Duncan. You know, there's a lot of differing opinions. Nate Duncan didn't think, you know, doesn't, he thinks Plumlee's good, but he doesn't think he's that good. And, uh, you know, and, and we had a little talk about that on his podcast when I was on the Dunked On podcast. And I really think that you know, he's just a really interesting player because he's, you know, can be so divisive. I mean, he has so many tangible skills like passing the ball, yet he, he really struggles with, rebounding and it's and it's really interesting to see you know where people rank those where how people how effective people think he is and I think that um, him making the top 100 list in a list of you know the best players in the league I think really does speak to how effective he is and how important he is and uh, I think he definitely deserves it especially after the season he had last year and with the center situation being the way it is I definitely anticipate that he will be the starting center because as of right now, he is the best center on the roster. I'm heading up to Seattle this weekend with my girlfriend and I'm really excited for it. I've been thinking about trying to go up to Seattle, see a Mariners game and they played the Astros this weekend. And so earlier today, I was looking up tickets to get on SeatGeek and they have come along and made an amazing website, an amazing app and they want to change the way that tickets are sold for sports events and music events, and they want to change the game. Whereas you know the other ticket vendors maybe are not really trying to change the game. And SeatGeek is the first place that I go to to look for tickets to a game or concert. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, as I just mentioned, and everything about them is designed to make your life easier as a sports or music fan. And They do all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work and you save time and money. It's football season. There's games every weekend. I'm sure you're going to want to get to one at some point this fall, and they can help you get the most bang for your buck by using their deal score, which grades the deals based on a value score from one to 100 with one being the worst and 100 being the best. And best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. And to get your $20 rebate, you have to download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, click add a promo code and enter promo code LOBLAZERS and SeatGeek will send you a $20 rebate after you make your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOBLAZERS today. All throughout this week, we are going to be posting crossover pods on the Locked On Blazers feed and all over the Locked On Podcast Network. And for today's episode, I was happy to be joined by David Locke, the pod father of the Locked On Podcast Network and the play by play voice of the Utah Jazz to talk about the Blazers and Jazz and where they stack up against each other and in the Western Conference. Hope you enjoy. I'm
0: David Locke, host of Locked On Jazz and I'm Eric Garcia Gunderson host of Locked On Blazers and we get to hang out a whole lot together cuz we're going to do the preseason thing like twice and then opening night so I figured we probably should find out how each other's teams are at this point before we start training camp Eric
1: Right it's it's you know right around probably the, the third week of October we'll start to get sick of each other when it comes to see you know seeing each other so much
0: and I have a sneaking suspicion that we could very well end up spending the first Week of the playoffs together,
1: you know what? That that could definitely happen. I could definitely see one of these teams getting getting the the, the four five slot, maybe or even the three six. Who knows?
0: Do you think Portland's better? I mean, everyone thinks the Jazz are better. There's no, I don't think that's any debate with what they did. Do you think Portland's better?
1: I think on the whole, just in terms of all around talent, I think they are better. Whether they will perform better than they did last year, um, whether the pieces fit as they hope that they will fit, that's another question. But I do think that just pure talent level, like the team's 2K rating is higher, I think. That's
0: interesting. Um, I'm not sure I totally buy that. I I don't get – I'm not sure I understand how Evan Turner works. I don't want anyone taking the ball out of the hands of Damian Lillard or C.J. McCollum. Like if I'm the Jazz and I'm playing the Blazers and you tell me that Evan Turner is going to handle the ball, I like that. That's – you know what? And and in that proposition,
1: whether it's Damian Lillard or C.J. McCollum or Evan Turner, I totally understand that. And they are paying him a lot of money. I do think he fits so much better – as uh, a, a six-man coming off the bench, and I know that they're paying him starters money, but they're also paying Crabb a good amount of money, and they did pay Harkless a pretty good deal too, and I know that they haven't figured that out, but I do think that Turner will help when one of the two you know, guys that you really always want the ball in their hands, when one of those two guys is off the bench. I think that's when he'll really shine. It's going to be a question how he fits. Uh, I, I doubt that he fits very well alongside both of them, though. Uh, when they're on the floor at the same time.
0: Well, also because he can't shoot. So, I I mean, I would be more than willing to have him be on the floor. So, because the Jazz were the ones who got the firsthand exposure of how incredible the Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum pick-and-roll offense was in about the second game of the season last year, I think it was. So the Jazz Jazz lost the home opener to Portland last year. Everybody in Utah freaked out. And I remember walking out of the arena uh, with Antonio Harvey and saying, you know what, you guys might be really good. Like it was, I didn't feel like the Jazz just got beat by some team that was terrible. I got the feeling that the, that Terry Stotts was actually onto something.
1: Yeah, th- that was a, a very interesting point in the season because the Blazers, you know, they beat the Pelicans and then they lose two to Phoenix and you know and then everyone's like oh here phoenix is pretty good but then they they kind of turned it around against in that game against utah and i think that's when they finally saw it click and to them to do it at utah where they've had so much trouble historically as well you know throwing that in there just the blazers in general the fact that they were able to play so well um really was impressive and really I thought I agree I think it, it it wasn't the win of a team that you were like okay you know they just got hot and that was it you know they they had a little something there that looked like it was
0: sustainable give me some insight because I look at the Jazz and think they're a great deal better they've kind of what they've done to me in this offseason is dreamy um I'm a huge George Hill fan and I've always thought he was like the perfect next step for us and um and I still and I actually just even being around him here early Joe Johnson kind of have an admiration level so so I'm kind of dreamy but the one thing I worry about with the Jazz is the fact that they haven't ever won an important game as a unit yet Portland last year had never won an important game as a unit and somehow were able to have that season how did they do it what in retrospect what can the Jazz learn from what Portland did last year as a team that came together and won having never won important games to get before
1: you know, I it, it's really hard to to pinpoint it. But what I think that they did best is they really are just exceptional at not making the same mistake. You know, too many times in a row. I felt like they would always fix one thing, and then another thing would maybe slip. But then, you know, you go around and you start fixing things one after another. And eventually you have less other things that are going wrong. And I feel like the Blazers just did a really good job, whether it was okay, it was really bad turnovers one game, then they wouldn't turn it over. Oh, our defense was terrible. Then their defense is a little bit better. Oh, you know, Damian Lillard is doing too much with the ball. Let's let's get him in some dribble handoff situations. Let's do something else. And and I think that the Blazers just did a really good job. And I think Terry Stotts is a big reason that they're so good at this is just the ability to learn from mistakes. And you know, I don't know if this is necessarily the Jazz's problem that they repeat the same mistakes over and over again. But I think the Blazers' strength lies in the fact that they make mistakes, but they are—they don't get discouraged by them, and then they also learn from those mistakes to not, you know, repeat all of them over and over. Because I remember I go last year, you know, they started 11 and 20 and were blowing fourth quarter leads, you know, every night almost, and then you know they slowly start to pick up the pieces, and I don't know if that's where the Jazz are lacking. Where do you think they need to go to kind of take that next step in just being able to kind of close out games and things like
0: that? But uh, Everyone's talking about the Jazz last five minutes of games, Eric, but the problem for the Jazz, in my mind, is the first 43, Mm -hmm. and that's why I think all the moves they made are so mammoth. The Jazz lost the most games of any team in the NBA that were within five points in the final five minutes. But they trailed going into that period in almost all of them. And that's the misnomer. Now, the ones they led, they ended up only being 500 because they lost to Chris Paul, and they lost to Tim Duncan, and they lost one to Steph, and they lost one to LeBron. They lost to, you know, if you go back and look at those losses, it's to Chris Paul taking over a game, it's LeBron taking over a game, it's, it's you know, just those players, and they don't have that guy. Portland's got that guy in Damien, and and Gordon doesn't have that yet, that late-game element that Damien has to it. Uh, and so, they, I think that they just their problem is the first 43 that instead of being down 3 going into the final 5 minutes just be up 3 and you'll be fine.
1: Yeah, and that's really interesting and I feel like it you know those clutch stats are super super easy to cling to especially when things aren't going well and that's you know I think the Blazers that their problem last year was that they would get uh, they would get such good leads going into the fourth quarter, and then they would kind of just lose it all of a sudden. And and I think also, too, I think it's it's interesting that you point, you know, to Damian Lillard because I think Gordon Hayward, you know, skill-wise, I think everyone would, you know, say that he's, you know, one of the most talented players in the league. But I think the Blazers also have another guy. Like, I think CJ McCollum is, like, really big time. I mean, I really think that he could, he's a guy you can throw the ball to and you can trust to do – Pretty much anything with the ball, and he'll he'll get a basket almost every time. And I think that you know is another huge factor that you have two guys that just feel so comfortable just being able to get a basket whenever you they need to.
0: By the way, just in fairness to Gordon uh, and defend Gordon a little bit. Uh, I think if you dig into the numbers on Damian Lillard and Gordon Hayward and you compare the numbers of the two, they're actually late game numbers are pretty similar clutch play last year. Damian Lillard shot 39% in the final five minutes of a close game and 34% from three and Gordon Hayward's numbers were every bit as good as that. Uh, And if, you know, if, if, Hayward in those same time periods was 43%, only 28% from three. So they were very comparable. So maybe unfair for me to say, you know, I always feel like you, you see Dame shot against Houston in the playoffs, and then you also feel like every other star in the league's making shots because that's what you see on Center. You never see... The guy missing on Sports Center, you only see your own guy miss. And I think that that's a little bit of a misnomer. So I may have been a little unfair there uh, to Gordon late in games. And maybe this year when they're up three all the time, we'll see that they are different. Do you think Joe Johnson still has the capability? That's the question I have. Joe Johnson has always been one of the best late game players in the NBA. The only question is, does 36-year-old, 37-year-old Joe Johnson still have that in him? I I could see it. I I, I
1: think he could still get to his ISO spots, you know, if he needs to. And that's a a great weapon for the Jazz to have, too. And they're not asking him. You know, they've got so many talented wings there. They're going to be bringing, you know, XM into the fold at point guard, obviously, but he has the position, the size to play two. Uh, I, I think if they if they just use, if, if they can use Johnson in a way where they don't have to rely on him heavily, kind of get him in there, you know, early, late, you know, early fourth quarter, late third, maybe if he gets hot, you let him you you ride him a little bit. I think he could. I think the I think adding him and Boris Dio were both and even George and George Hill as well. That's going to be
0: so many good crunch time options for the Jazz to have this season. He's Eric Garcia Gunderson of Locked on Blazers. I'm David Locke, Locked on Jazz. Remember, the Locked on Podcast Network has every NBA team covered for you. If you're an NFL fan, there's great coverage top to bottom across the board, whether it's Locked on Seahawks, which is now out and available to you, or Locked on Broncos, make sure you grab those. All right, so I listened to one of your podcasts recently. You think Myers Leonard is the like X factor that changes the Blazers this year a little bit? I absolutely do. I, I think
1: that he, you know, he really had uh, a tough year last year. He He got hurt early, then got hurt late. And the fit with him, they tried to slot him in as the starting power forward didn't really work. I think they're starting to realize with a Change midway last year where they had him guarding centers and had Ed Davis guarding power forwards, that he's really a center at 7 1, 245. I mean, that's what he should play. And I think that they need him to take that next step defensively because he has the physical profile that nobody on the roster has at 7 1, 245. Defensively, the potential to really be an anchor with that physical size. And then a also, the fact that he can knock down threes at the rate that he can, he can also pass the ball a little bit and take advantage of mismatches here and there on offense, I think he could really be an X factor for them. I think if they want to get to that next level, I think he's the kind of the, the piece that can get them there.
0: Here's the thought I had that might be contrary or not understanding the team. I just don't think he passes the ball well enough. And what I love about Plumlee is how well he passes. So any minute in which Plumlee's off the floor – I'm kind of pleased with it because I maybe I'm wrong on this. I just think Plumlee's such a uh, a f- uh, game impactor with his passing.
1: I think that's going to be a huge question. Is you know what is going to be most valuable? Is it the ability to initiate the offense and handle the ball and make passes with Plumlee, or is that space? And I think the one place where you could really see if Evan Turner could potentially be effective as a ball handler, I know that you're not a big fan of his game, but if you have Myers Leonard out there providing spacing that you would otherwise get from a wing player, that could free Turner up to kind of do the passing that Plumley does. Now, if they get Leonard, then Turner maybe makes a little bit more sense with the the two dynamos in the backcourt. But I I really think that Plumley is a great player and the passing is super valuable. But if you can get that shooting from center and make up that passing in another way, I think it could be really hard for teams to contend with. Cause there's not many teams that, you know, are game planning for a, a center who can shoot threes the way Myers Leonard can.
0: Cause I'll be clear. I don't, it's not that I, I don't, it's not, that I don't believe in small ball. I guess I don't actually believe in small ball. I think small balls all hype. Uh-huh. I believe in skill ball. What's happened in the game is that you have to have five guys on the floor who can do, who can do a little of everything, and when you suddenly have multiple non passers on the floor, it becomes very, very difficult to play and so that's that's I guess my thing is where I these like Marc Gasol and Miles Plumley and these bigs that can pass just open up everything and particularly when they conduct it from the high post the way. Uh, Plumley was able to. I mean, they killed the Jazz last year on a bunch of late game plays where Plumley comes out, catches the elbow. One, Rudy guessed, and Plumley turned and went to the rack. Another time, he flips it off to Damian Cutting, where, you know, I think it was Rudy again. May have overstepped a little bit, the wrong direction, and so then Lillard has the the route to the basket. If you don't have a passer there, it can't happen. The same way Conley without Gasol is just not the same guy. I just believe in the passing of bigs. It's what I worry about with the Jazz. It's not that Gobert and Favors don't create space; it's that they're two non-passers.
1: You know, and I, I think Myers Leonard, to his credit, is is a pretty good passer. I think where Plumlee really separates himself is his ability to put the ball on the floor and 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 make those decisions in a way that more a guard would do. I think that Leonard can pass when it's just the act of passing and he's not really asked to put it on the floor. I think where we really saw Plumlee shine like against the Clippers for instance is, you know, Deandre is blitzing the pick and roll. He's going to get the ball with a whole lane, a whole, you know, half a court to work with dribbling the ball and that's when he can really really shine. So, it's going to be really interesting because I think You know, I think their ceiling is a little bit higher with Leonard, but I think you know they're you know just getting that consistency every night. I think you could definitely count on Plumley. So it's a really it's going to be a complicated calculus because you also have to consider you know they gave Myers Leonard a four year deal and uh, Mason Plumley is a free agent at this coming season. And after paying a lot of money to a lot of guys last year, you
0: know, do they want to pay
1: that to to Plumley? And you know they may have to.
0: All right, so if you're saying Leonard is there, like, so if I ask the question on both these two teams, give me the scenario where the Jazz are, you know, not just improved but suddenly become, like, great. Like, not, you know, maybe knocking on – let's say knocking on – this is a huge jump for the Jazz, but knocking on the 2-3 area instead of just making it to four, right? And the same thing for the Blazers. If you're knocking – so what's interesting to me is you're saying – for the Blazers, for them to go knock on that next step. Clippers, here we come, right? Clippers, we're right behind you. You slip up and have another something go wrong or get old, and we're going to come get you. You think it's Myers Leonard. What I think is interesting on the jazz end of things is I've been asking this question to everybody in the jazz front office and around the jazz. Like, what is it that makes this team become special? Not just much improved, but where I'm talking about. And you know what? I get a different answer from every single person. And I can't figure out if that means wow, there's a lot of different case scenarios where the jazz become really exceptional or it just means there's too many things or they're just too hard or it's just too unrealistic on what it is. Because so, like I think it's that Rodney Hood and Rudy Gobert start for the second time in their careers. They, they had never started in their lives last year. And so they'll be playing roles they've already played before and be so much better that I think that's the jump. Somebody else said to me, Trey Lyles is it. Another one said to me, it's favors, it's favors, and the step he's going to take. And another person said to me that it's whether Rudy becomes the defensive force again. So, what's your take on that? That it seems as though the Blazers, unless you have more you would add, have maybe one or two areas in which they could become that team, and yet. If I ask Jazz people, it seems though there's a tremendous amount.
1: You know, I, I think especially in terms of players that are, are are contributing on a regular basis, I definitely think that Jazz have more of those guys that you can see like, well, okay, maybe this guy can go one, you know, like Trey Lyles or, you know, guys like that. And I think with the Blazers, it's, it's interesting because I said Myers Leonard, and it really I think he's really the key. I mean, because I... I feel like – and I'm guilty of doing this too and I know that he's so young and you can really fall into that trap of doing it. But I think Vonley is also a guy that a lot of people look to. It's like, hey, this guy plays the position, has the the raw skills if you could put them all together. But there's really no proof that he can do that yet. And so like I don't really want to consider him. But I think the Jazz do have more young guys where you're like, okay, they have – you know, really incredible upside, like go bear, like favors. If he can stay healthy, you know, it, it, it's, it's guys like that, that I think that jazz have a little bit more of, but I do agree that I think, you know, maybe I think with some of the the guys that the blazers have already, they're already at a pretty good level. Whereas I think the jazz, they really are at a level already where I think they're going to be competing with Portland for that division spot, you know, even though it doesn't really mean anything, but I, I do think that they have maybe more guys that maybe in a playoff scenario, you could be like, okay, well, if that guy just changes a little bit, then that changes our whole equation. And I think that the Jazz have, you know, a lot of guys that can hit an upside maybe that were in a, in a playoff series that you're like, wow, like that really takes them to the next level. Then I think maybe, you know, Portland has on the bench of guys that just have not um, totally evolved quite yet.
0: Well, it's probably a good place to end it. It's interesting, by the way, when you look at last year, the Jazz – were plus one point eight in point differential, and the blazers were plus point eight in point differential. And most people think that's an in- better indicator. So that's an interesting little kind of side thing that a lot of people would say actually, right, that the jazz, yeah. despite being four wins less than the blazers, are actually Point differential wise, maybe a better team. I'm not sure I buy that. I think it really is how the game ends every night, but it's an interesting thing. Well, Eric, keep up the great work on Locked On Blazers. You can catch him, uh, subscribe to him on iTunes. Thank you very much for your time today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, and everyone's subscribed to Locked On Jazz, as they already do, I'm sure.